Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, baseball family. This week we have Sandy's TJ. Joey Votto is not retiring, and we're going to check in on the playoffs. Right meow. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brad, and I'm going to get through it today, I promise you, because <laughs> I have the support of my guy, Brig. How are you today, Brig? I'm supportive. Thank you for asking. <laughs> that makes me happy. I'm glad we're to hear gonna, it. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we're going to do it. We're going to get through it, and it yeah. will be done. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but before we do any of that, let's start with this. Baseball family sports betting has rapidly risen, has rapidly risen in popularity, and we want to connect you with an opportunity to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profits, and there has never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash baseball. That's right. We are baseball on signupexpert.com. You'll be connected to all the sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through baseball through the Baseball Together link, you will be automatic. You will automatically receive the top offer at each one. And the promos, Brig, when you first sign up, that's a good way to like really jump and uh, and make some money because it's free money. Free. Free ninety nine. That's right. And so, when you use multiple sports books, you can ensure that you always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the show, sign up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com/baseball. As always, there is a link in the episode description. Okay. I hope, Brig, that that is not a sign of things to come with how much I struggled getting through that one. <laughs> but with as much as I struggled with doing the intro today, it's likely. So we'll you see how it goes. We never we are know. Okay, but first things first. This is something we missed last week uh, because right now we're recording on Sundays because of scheduling conflicts. Um, this happened after the last day of the season. The Angels, I wanted to say fired phil nevin but that is not what happened they parted ways with phil nevin because <laughs> yeah. he was on a one-year deal and they're just not rehiring him not right. gonna bring him back okay that's it um so he will not be the manager of the angels next year and i thought this is interesting uh angels gm perry manassian said regarding the parting he said by no means does that mean phil is to blame then who is to blame perry hmm yeah hmm hmm <laughs> either you're looking in the mirror at this one or you're pointing upward to Artie Moreno, who loves to run this team, by the way. He does. Right? Yes. Or are you saying the players just didn't get it done? What are you saying? 
that's what I want. If it's not his fault, then whose fault is it? Because it's got to be somebody's. Yep. Whose fault do you think it is, Bray? I think it is Artie Moreno's. That's what I think. Any is it just because of the way they put the team together, money, meddling, meddling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it has everything to do with meddling. I think that it's um, the. I think the culture from the top down is broken. I think mm. that affects decision making. I think that affects player and management confidence. I think that affects front offices decision making capabilities. Um, I think that affects everything. I think it's meddling. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was watching Samson last week, and he basically described Artie Moreno as kind of like MLB's version of Jerry Jones. That he's, the, that he's the owner who wants to make all the decisions. There you go. But the problem is that he's a businessman and not necessarily entirely a baseball man, right? Right. It's like, uh, it was like, I mean... What it's like Al, what was the guy's name in Oakland for all those years? Al for the Raiders. Al Davis. Davis. It's like Al Davis. Except Al Davis knew how to win ball games. <laughs> well, and one thing Al Davis would do that you don't like you kinda I don't want to say you kind of see this, but you see it a little in in a way. I've heard a lot of people talk about how whoever was coaching the Raiders at the time would go over to the sideline phone, pick it up. Yes, sir. And then he yeah. would put it down, and everybody would go, they're going deep. Because it was Al Davis calling down to the yeah. coach saying, call a deep ball on your next play. And so they would. They would throw a deep every single time the, the coach got off the phone with Al Davis. Um, you know who it, was a lot of the time? John Madden. Yeah. He was the true. head coach for a long time in Oakland. Yeah, he was. But – the thing that I feel like kind of goes on along those lines is what we saw with the Blue Jays in the wild card round, where it's like mm. the front office has a predetermined plan of how they want things to be, and you're going to stick to it, Mr. Manager. Yes. Or is it just manager? I think we just call him Mr. Manager. I think manager. it's just manager. Just manager. Mr. But Dude. <laughs> anyway, um, I. But I don't feel like the owner should be doing that. If anybody's going to be doing that, it should be the GM, right? It should be coming right. from Perry Manassian because he's working with all the all the Harvard and Yale nerds that they've hired to put all the numbers together for him, right? That is a fact. So, anywho. Yeah, I no, I think you're right, though. It's top-down. There are some issues in, in Anaheim, and I don't think that they will be resolved until he finally sells the team, whenever that may or may not be. Yes, it may not is more accurate. Yep. All right. Next point, we have, what's up? I said at this point, I think it's may oh, not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Sandy Alcantara underwent Tommy John surgery officially this week. We knew that he was going to have to because um, he we found out he had a torn UCL. Yep. We don't know how long he was pitching with it. Um I speculate he's had it for a lot of the season because he was not not himself this year at all. You've been calling that for a while now. Yeah, and I th- yeah. Yeah. Um because of the timing of when he had Tommy John surgery, he's going to miss all of the 2024 season because that rehab process is at least a year. It's lengthy. Yeah. yeah. You can't even pick up a baseball for 4 months, and that's at the earliest. 
Yeah. When Even I was then you're only allowed to throw it 30 feet at soft. Oh, really? Yeah, no torsion on that elbow. No, um, nothing at all. <laughs> you just lob it for 30 yeah. feet. When I was when I was working for a minor league team, we had a guy come in and he would made his first start since undergoing Tommy John surgery 365 days after surgery. And he was at the bottom of the minor league level in rookie, rookie ball rookie. starting yeah. for the first time, starting his rehab. So yeah. it is it's a long time. It, it takes forever. So I guess we'll see him in 2025. Do you think that the Marlins will be okay without him? I think they'll be fine given how he pitched this year. Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. So I think, though, that he's – so he's not the only guy, right? He's not the only piece holding them together, right. number one. Number two is they have more pieces to fill. So they need to go out and plug other holes as well. This just gives them a jump start on which holes to plug. That's all I think it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and their GM, uh, Kim Ng, how do you, Kim I don't Ng, know how to, Ng, Ng or whatever. Yeah, Ng, I don't know how to say her last name, but she's done a great job in Miami. Yeah, like, Jazz Chisholm was singing her praises when they made the playoffs. Mama like, Kim like, is what he called her. Yeah, Mama like Kim, that. like she, yeah. she's the real one. So, I think it's really cool. I, I think, think it is really cool. cool. Yeah, she's done a fantastic job since getting yeah. to Miami. They, I think they're going to be good, even better in coming years. Yeah, I think so. One or two years for sure. Uh-huh. Uh So this week, I actually heard this happen live, Brig. I heard I listened to this conversation while I was in the car uh, yeah. on, I believe it was on Friday when I texted you about yeah, this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Joey Votto went on the Dan Patrick show. He's uh, He's a friend of their show. Um, he goes on, I think, once or twice a year. And like I said before, he that's where we really got exposed to his fantastic personality for the yeah, first time yeah. I think, outside of Cincinnati. Yeah. And he asked me if he was retiring. He said, no, I want to play at least one more year. I was like, cool, I mean, good for him. Well, the kudos for me goes two ways. The first is kudos for Dan and his team for just asking the question we all want the answer to. Right. To me, that was just as big a deal as anything else. But then kudo to kudo, kudos to Joey. <laughs> Singular kudo. Not, Singular kudo, Brig. It's a kudo. He gets one kudo for uh, <laughs> making sure that he didn't hide anything and he wasn't obfuscating and there wasn't any weird around it. He just said no. Direct question, direct answer. Everybody's uh-huh. happy. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. And the one thing that I thought was really interesting going on with that conversation was that he did basically say he's a that he's got a backup plan. He said, if nobody's interested, if nobody wants to pick him up as what he referred to as a backup stick, yeah. uh, he is going to go to culinary school. Get out of here. I will not. That is what he said. He <laughs> says he's already been accepted and he's, he's like ready to start. He's like, if I am not playing baseball, that's what I'm going to do. I thought that, that was really, really cool. cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Super cool. A lot of fun for him to go do that. Uh, and he's got other hobbies, too. Like, I could see him, like, just going and playing a ton of chess and totally. being a school bus driver, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. He likes school to do those bus things. Driver. That dude would be the funniest school bus driver. Well, he was I, doing that when he was hurt. I know. That's why. <laughs> Every time I think about him in that in that light, I think, man, 
that dude must have been so much fun just teasing oh, everybody because sure. you know, most bus drivers in my experience were just checked out right they didn't yeah. want to have anything to do with anybody because well, like, if you're not you back. end up like you end up like chris farley on billy madison Stop <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the bus <laughs> yeah yeah but i was thinking like you know he was probably like really bantery and fun and whatever oh, i'm sure he was yeah yeah so that's fun yeah so i i'm excited that he comes back i would actually love to have him in seattle like for sure love love to have him see in seattle uh yeah. have the you think end up the in mentorship. Seattle? is there what are the chances of that uh i don't know honestly like he he did say he wants to go back to cincinnati but i don't know if they're gonna necessarily have a spot for him you know because we talked about that before when he's yeah. coming back from his injury that's like i don't know um in seattle though like they need a dh they need a good backup first baseman and that kind of personality would be would go a long way in that clubhouse i think so. Well, and they need some experience as well. So I'm like really yeah. good. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of it. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, just, I think thought. he'd be a good spot for him. So holding that I hope for him. And I, I'm going to say this. I hope for him he doesn't end up in New York. I don't think he wants that at this point. You no, know, not. I think he's kind of like, I don't need the noise. I just want to go somewhere I can be a backup stick. And uh, have fun, <laughs> yeah, and be good with it. And this is the other thing, too, Brig, is that the Mariners have Gino Suarez mm-hmm. and Luis Castillo, who both played, both great clubhouse guys who played with Joey Votto in Cincinnati. Yeah, so, you're right about that. That could help. That could help. It could, it really so, could. Yeah, so we'll and see. And he how could help. Game. I don't know. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a whole lot. Okay, we have one more thing before we take a short break. Uh, Speaking of first baseman, Mm, Pete Alonzo, the polar bear himself, has hired a new agent. Yep. And wouldn't you know it, of course. (laughs) I feel like... So first off, he hired Scott Boris's company, Boris Corp, as his new agency. And I feel like Scott Boris is like the vulture, you know? Just kind of like... Or even the jackal, just kind of hanging around the outside. Anytime there's a, a... big player coming up on free agency just kind of like just lingering mm-hmm. and then eventually they send him just kind of like send him an email like hey i hear we're on the straight yeah you're gonna be a free agent next year so right. would you like somebody to represent you who is not going to take no for an answer and will not accept an extension works every so, time Every the time Carlos Correa is, is the first guy that comes to my mind when that like, basically feels like that happened with him. Right. It's the only one that didn't get exactly what he wanted. And now look at him. So right. I don't know. It's kind of tough to argue with what Boris and his company are able to do, even though he feels villainous. Right. He feels like the easiest. It depends on which side is good. Right. Right. And that's the thing. But like there's <laughs> so much of this narrative around Scott Boris being the bad guy uh and we have perpetuated that in the past so i'm not going to claim that we haven't felt that way or still don't or whatever it's just interesting how easy it is to claim that he's the bad guy and that they're vultures and whatever when you know depending on who whose side of the conversation you're talking about this is the thing is that he um he 
he does his job, right? He's very, very, very good at his job, obviously, right? Yep. Yes. Um, and he's and he's not just. I don't want to say he's he's the reason I said jackal is because he's circling around the outside and he's picking the primest pizza, pieces of meat. He's picking sure. the best guys who are going to be coming on the market very soon. Yeah. Right. And the thing that gets me is that he's acting in his own interest and does he never feels like he's acting in the player's interest. Granted, acting in his own interest benefits the player. Totally. Right. Totally. But it never feels like it every every time he gets a player a big contract, it feels disingenuous. And I get it, it's all business, right? He's totally. trying to make himself more money, which in turn makes the players more money. And they're just like, you know, if that's what it takes, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, so yeah. I get I get that side of it. It just feels scuzzy because I know that he's or I don't know that I know, but I I definitely feel like he's acting in his own interest. And that's right. the part that feels super scuzzy to me. Right. Well, there we have examples of other agents. I mean, Rachel Luba is the first one that comes to mind, right? Where she benefits, she presents herself as being all in for the ball player, and mm-hmm. then whatever comes her way is awesome, right? right? I don't know if that's how it actually is, but that's the message that comes across. Whereas to your point, Scotty B's messaging is the optics of it are the opposite. So I don't know. I don't know what's right yeah. or wrong. Because I just I just have visions, Brig, of him anytime he gets on the phone with the team that as he's negotiating, he's got them on like speakerphone while he's flipping through remodeling catalogs for his office. Right. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. like, we're gonna take up another 60. Oh, I can go here. Let's go another 70. Yeah. Because I like <laughs> that color right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's that yeah, he's being, he's he's negotiating millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, he's standing at the tailor and they're measuring and <laughs> stitching all the his custom sleeve. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's how it feels. Yeah, is that he's yeah, shopping, yeah. spending the money before he gets it because he knows he's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. Yeah, you're right. But you're right. anyway, that's good. All right, before all right, we go, family, why don't you before we take game. a break. We're always asking what you think about the topics that we bring up on the show. And now there's a quick and easy way to share your thoughts with us. We have partnered with Versus Game to bring you games where you can make money from participating polls and trivia. That's right. So if you're on the winning side of a poll or if you get a trivia question right, you can win real money. You can play for free or you can buy ticket bundles to play against other listeners and Versus Game users. So head over to BTPod. Dot on versus.com on your mobile browser and sign up to play polls and trivia on the baseball together page there. So that's btpod.onverses.com. Sign up to play versus game with us. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk playoff baseball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, baseball family. As you know, it is October, and if you're watching National League games, it probably is Red October, okay? So 
uh sorry braves fans i did not mean to alienate you with that comment however the phillies fans are very excited about that and basically we have to play both sides because that's how we feel okay (laughs) (laughs) so here's the deal let's talk about braves phillies the phils are up one to nothing and by the time this comes out game two will have been completed and uh, because we were recording on Sunday night. In fact, we are in the middle of ALDS game two in Houston, and we'll bring you updates as we go. Currently, Phils are up one to nothing in the NLDS, played in Atlanta right now. What I want to know, is this the same old Braves, Brad? Because they've never, ever, ever, never, ever, never beaten the Phillies in a playoff series. Not even one time. You know, what's going on? There is such thing as October fatigue. Of course. Um, how many guys played a hundred and some odd, 150 games, something like that, for the Braves before they got a day off? Lots of them. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Hmm. We'll get to it later because I have more thoughts on October fatigue. Um, okay. But I, th- I think it's a real thing. There's a lot of there's a reason a lot of teams will rest their guys. And granted, yes, you've got to try to win every single game because you could be like Seattle, who kind of trotted out a B team in June, yeah, and tossed a game out there, and then you miss the playoffs by a game, right? Kiki yeah. Hernandez talked about that a couple weeks ago with Mookie Betts on a podcast. He said, "I got got out there and gave up a walk off home run in like the 16th inning or something like the 16th inning, I think is what it was." Yeah. Um, He's like, and then we ended up playing game 163. He's like, I was like torn up about the thought that my team might miss the playoffs because I gave up a walk-off home run as a stupid position player pitching in an extra inning game, right? Totally, yeah. So I get it. I get it. You want to have your best guys out there every single day and try to win every single game as much as you can. But there are times you've got to be able to trust your bench and give those guys a rest. And I also understand – People are going to say the players are soft now because used to everybody played 160, 61, 62 games. Yeah, that's true. But given medical advances we have now, we understand that's not good for you (laughs) (laughs) or your arm. (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent accurate. So, yeah, I I think there, I think there's something to that though, that these teams come in here fresh, and I think we might be seeing that the Phillies have a deeper bench. Well, let's also talk or just fresher. Well, how so is it fresh because of momentum or is it fresh because they didn't like the Braves had those days off? Yeah, they had a week off during the wild card. So, I mean, we come back to this, I feel like, every postseason where we have to discuss and question whether that bye week is worth it or not. And here we are dealing with it again, right? Yeah, is that the problem? Because the only team that won game one who had the bye was the Astros, right? That's it. The only one. Everybody else yeah. lost. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it works in football because everybody can get healthy. And there's a lot more to the resting process in football. Maybe somebody needs to figure it out in baseball. Yeah, because this can't possibly be an anomaly at this point. It just can't. Right. Like, yeah. it doesn't qualify anymore. Something... Mm-hmm. There's something about it, and we don't have all the answers right now, but we do have the question, and we are going to start looking into it. I do. I want to start looking into why I want to go back as far as bye weeks have gone and count the number of game one losses. I think it's, what, two years? 
Like, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's something we keep an eye on, though. We keep tracking it. And then eventually when we can, we talk to a team about it and say, what do you think you need to do differently to buck this trend? Because yeah, it's it really is interesting that the teams who had the bye weeks don't do well. And players have spoken out against it, too, when they first brought it up. They said, I don't want that. Totally. I want to keep playing. Yeah. So did maybe the Rangers, did the Rangers possibly play the scenario? Did they play down a little bit? Maybe they didn't want that by week. Interesting. But I don't think you're, I think, I think if you can take an opportunity, to either skip the raise or, or play them, I think you're going to skip it though. Right. <laughs> I think you think you would think that you wouldn't, you would the think raise over not playing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though they but then they trounced them, so I yeah. don't know. I don't make any sense? Uh, one thing we do have to talk about was the catcher's interference call in Atlanta last. The night. phantom catcher's interference call. Correct, and that is exactly what I wanted to say. I watched it. I didn't see catcher's interference. The call on the field was not overturned, and it was not confirmed. The TV broadcasters did a really good job of distinguishing between the call on the field being confirmed and the call on the field standing. It was not irrefutable evidence to have overturned it, but that also means that they couldn't outright say the guy got it right either. And based on what I saw, it was a big fat rut row got it wrong. (laughs) There was yeah. no catcher's interference at all. And if you watch closely, the ball hit the bat and fouled back. Right. Well, and you look at the path of the barrel of the bat, too. It, it didn't look like it was anywhere near right. the glove. It didn't even hit a lace. I didn't hit yeah. I didn't see it hitting a strand of leather hanging off at all. I mean, it was just it was I would say it was laughable, but it was disgusting, is what it was. If it had happened in June, I would laugh about it. But Correct. the fact that it happened in October is what really, really grinds my gears, right? Yeah. That you expect the umpires to be able to get it right. And I I don't know. Like, so much of me has lost so much faith in umpires. And I know people are going to say, go out and do it yourself. I have. It's not easy. I get it. Correct. But I'm also yes. not getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this as my full-time job. And have been for years now yeah in order to be even considered for a playoff position right yeah here's the thing here's the other thing i'm less ups like i'm i you could choose to be upset at the at the team on the ground right at the umpire crew on the ground specifically mm-hmm. the guy behind home plate you can be upset at him that's just fine but i'm really angry at the team in new york that has access to all of the camera angles all of the technology the ability to slow everything way down. And I would think more than just a handful of eyes and ears to talk it over. So right. that's the that's the group I'm upset with. That's like and and if they saw something we didn't see, where is the very public evidence? Right. And I there's it's just a big echo chamber. Every time they drop it over to review and the, it goes back to New York. Um, yeah, I, I'm really, that's who I'm going to place my blame with. 
Yeah, and it is really frustrating because it's sometimes you see something and like as you're watching the review, you're like, oh yeah, for sure, like it's gonna get overturned. But then they come back and it's like, I feel like somebody has somebody's back here. Right. Like that's really what it feels like. And sometimes and I don't want to say there's collusion or like it's like shady or anything, right? But it feels like that. But there's other times where you see something that's like so certain. You're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be real quick. And they take way too long on it and they come back and you're like, wait, are we sure that's what they told the umpire? Are we sure he just doesn't have his buddies back out on second base in this situation? Like, right. You know, like it really does feel like that sometimes both ways that it's just like. But then in New York, they're not going to come out and be like, well, he said, you know, because that makes everybody look bad. Totally, makes the system look broken, which it is. It might and I be. think it is. Yeah, there's a good chance. I think the fact that there's so much opportunity for us to question it is the problem. At it, maybe not the root problem. There may be something deeper going on, but the fact that we can sit here and go, okay, clearly from point A, the call on the field, mm-hmm. to point B, the challenge. With C being what they show on the video replay board on the field and what they show on television, which is very often the same thing. And then what they're seeing in New York, that's the gap from C to D, right? What we can see versus what they can see. Where's the gap? What do we not get to see that you can see? And I wonder... Because they show a lot of different angles, right? That like as they're going through the replay they show us a lot of different angles. And I don't know if we're seeing the same thing they're seeing, but at the same time though, I'm sure they're not looking at a single screen. I'm sure they're, they've got like a quad box going, you know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Everything and and figure out how to get it right. But it really is just like so frustrating. And, and it's like in the NBA after the Tim Donaghy thing, it's like, are some of these games fixed, you know? And then the right. NBA came out and they're like, we're going to be transparent and let you know guys miss calls. So they have the last two minute report that talk about, uh, that go through every single missed call. Like so-and-so called a foul at, at a minute 25 when he shouldn't have, you know, it was a clean, right. clean steal. It's like, okay, right. that doesn't do anything, but let me know that the referees are getting it wrong because they're not correcting anything. Right. Right. And so it's like, I know the NBA has done that to, to help remedy the situation and and still and still confidence in the fans, but I don't think that's the right thing to do. I don't think it would be right for Major League Baseball to come out and be like, "Yeah, their challenge, they should have won their challenge. That wasn't catcher's interference." They're never going to do that, you know, because that throws the umpires under the bus. That instills even less confidence in us and the umpires and the re- right. and the replay process. Yes. But then it's like, okay, so who else is Major League Baseball willing to throw under the bus? Yeah. You know, so I don't know that there's necessarily a right solution to the problem besides them just doing better or maybe citing what they did or didn't see. That's what I need. I need better communication and I need I need it to not leave the stadium. I don't want an umpiring crew right. or some supervision guy back, whoever, wherever, somewhere else. Put like with the old, like the NFL. Put me in a box. Let well, me go even... over every single thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, we have... pow wow. Hey, yeah. did you see this? Come look over here. Yeah, okay, I saw it. Get back in the box. Yeah, that's what I saw. Vote mm-hmm. on it on the field and be done. That's that the way thing that makes it, me the absolute craziest about this whole thing is that they send it off to New York and the umpires just standing there with the headsets on. 
Yeah, he's like, I don't know. I'll, I'll let mm. you know what they say. Okay. Yeah, As though my cool. authority on the field is only good until somebody says, I don't believe you. And then I got to go call mom and dad. Like, right. <laughs> yes. that's it. It's yes. Like, do the it's NFL so thing bad. where you have an eye in the sky or college football, how they have the, their replay booth, right? right. Have yeah. somebody in the stadium. And you know what, Brig? The umpire union should love this because you know what it does? It creates a job. It sure creates exactly way more right. jobs. That adds one more umpire, if not two, to every single yes. crew. That's right. So, and their job is to be the final decision maker. Mm-hmm. And I know yep. they have a crew chief. I got it. But maybe the crew chief is the fifth umpire on the field. I don't know. There's got to be something that can be done. The, the fact that it leaves ground zero and goes to somebody else is uh-huh. the segment of the process that makes me squeamish. squeamish. And, and from the very beginning, that's, <clears throat> that's the one that got me that I was like, why? Why have a review yeah. center in New York instead of having somebody at the stadium who can queue it up for you? I don't understand. Makes Let's sense. move on. What One of the yes. things we have to do is to remind everybody in the baseball world to keep your trash to yourself. Stop throwing it on the field. I don't care who you're rooting for. I don't care where it is. That is just, it's just not okay, man. I don't care how frustrated you are. I'll tell you what I told my kids, which is we need to find more appropriate ways to express our emotions. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yep. That's spot on. That's a, thanks. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) I like that. Let's move to the Dodgers and the D backs. All right. Oh boy. The D backs are now, oh man. Oh man. Did anybody see this coming? (laughs) Like, just wait i i know that there's half of a bunch of people who hoped for it but didn't feel like this was ever going to happen the other half is like no way and then here we are so the d-backs went up yeah tell what happened then i'll tell you something i found after okay the d-backs went up one to nothing they won game one on saturday oh 11 to (laughs) two i don't even know like, how else are you supposed to feel? The Dodgers, two runs came in the eighth inning. It took them to the eighth inning to score a run. They came in the eighth inning when they were already down 11-0. to zero. Now, here's the thing that just is insane. It's just insane. Clayton Kershaw had the shortest start, not just of his postseason efforts, but of his entire career. And... His postseason capabilities have been called into question for years now. Years. And here we go again. And the poor yeah. guy, God, I, feel, I really do feel so bad for him. And it sucks that we have to bring it up and call him out. But here's what happened. Clayton Kershaw's final line from Saturday's Game 1 in the NLDS was one-third, one-third of an inning pitched he recorded one out in that time he gave up six runs they're all his obviously they're all earned he he gave up one walk one home run and he threw 35 pitches that's it took him 35 pitches to not only record an out but to get called to get the hook they they got him out this is by far the worst of it. Okay. This is as bad as it'll ever get. 
I how could it possibly get worse than this? Right. But but why why is this the problem with Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs, Brad? So I have a theory okay. about this. Because <clears throat> I was texting one of my friends the other day. She said, "Why? Like, what the heck? Like, why can why is he one of the greatest regular season pitchers ever, but yeah. he cannot do it in the postseason?" And I, my right. thing, I thought it it's got to be, and I don't want to say he's out of shape, but it's got to have something to do with conditioning. Because think of, think about this, Brig. Every year, every single year, this is this is playoff Kershaw. This is what we get. Like I said, like you said, this is the worst of all that we've seen. But it's somewhere sure. along these lines. It's somewhere, you know. And after the whole thing with the Astros, we kind of chalked it up to like, oh, they knew what was coming. That's why that's why it got that way. But it's totally fair. happened before then, since then. The only time that he's been regular season Kershaw during the playoffs was during 2020. Short season, right short season and so i'm like man it's gotta be something to do with the length of the season that he just does not have it by the time he gets to october and he's facing the best yeah right like that's the only thing i can think of and i found so i found this on x the other day Um, bob nightingale this was before game one said dodgers manager dave roberts says this is the best clayton kershaw has felt in the last couple of months entering game one on saturday and then the thread brig this was before the game the thread people were like so we all know how that's gonna go because we've seen this before oh no there were people all through that thread saying it's not gonna go well it's not gonna go well he's gonna get shelled and I was like, I was reading that. I was like, we should have seen this coming because time and time again, this is what happens. Yeah. I think we, I think we don't want it to happen. We want to give him the benefit of the doubt because of who he is. Absolutely. We we're just like, man, he's going to make the next step. He's going to make the next, but he he just doesn't. He hasn't. And I feel bad. I feel badly about it because I would love for him to do really well. I love Clayton Kershaw. I agree. Right. But it's unfortunate that this is, who he is in the postseason, apparently. His I just looked it up. His regular season ERA is 2.48. That's along his whole career. His postseason ERA around, along his career is 4.49. He's pitched 194 and a third innings in the postseason. That's nearly two runs on the ERA of a bump from regular season to postseason. Does that Almost include his 162 run. ERA from Saturday? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but that's true because it's probably not going to have a whole lot of weight if it's only one out. Nope. So. Um, they're crazy, saying, though. they're saying, and I don't, I don't want to give this a ton of clout yet, But what I did read in a headline from yesterday, and I'm reading it right now, Dodgers expect Clayton Kershaw to pitch again versus the Diamondbacks despite embarrassing start in NLDS game one. Yeah, That is from CBS Sports. Who knows where the source truly comes from? Dave Roberts. He said said he's going to put him back out He said the only only decision is to pitch pitch him in game four if that's what it comes to. So he's going to go back out there. So, yeah. And okay. I think you have to. You have to. You have to give him an opportunity to redeem himself. You do. You do. But why not? Okay, so when Texas, and we'll get into this, what, next or so, Texas, uh, we all thought that uh, they were going to bring in 
Dunning to start game one, but they didn't. Okay. They brought in Andrew Haney. And Haney came out and threw three and two, three and two thirds. And then they brought out Dunning and he threw two innings. Why not do something like that with Kershaw? Why not start somebody else, get him through two innings, put a put a lid on everything, set some kind of tone, and then trot Clayton Kershaw out? Or flip it. I don't know. You gotta do something different. I think, I think he goes out there with a short leash. Yeah. But how, how much shorter do you get than a third of an inning? <laughs> One out. Yeah. He's got to face three batter minimum, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I, I yeah. don't know what else. What are you going to do? I don't know. I have no idea how to, like, I don't know how to handle it. But I think you, I think out of respect for a guy, you've got to send him back out there, though. Right? I agree. you got to give him Especially somebody chance. like him. But you don't have to start him. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Clayton Kershaw met the bed. All right, the D-backs put up three more in the second, but ultimately it came down to their uh, – anyway, they, they slaughtered the Dodgers. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, by yeah. the time this comes out, we will have seen game two, and we'll bring your analysis for that on Thursday, so stay with us when we go live on YouTube, Twitch, and on Facebook Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time. All right. Now, Brad's got something he finds really interesting about the American League going into Sunday night's games. Why don't you tell us that, Brad? Right. This is super interesting. So the best division, or what was touted as the best division all year long, right, until recent, I, I want to say until like two weeks left of the season, really, or maybe a month left of the season, was the American League East. For sure. Okay? But the American League West got real sneaky there at the very end. They did. Competitive. But so far in the playoffs, coming into Sunday night's game, coming into this is before game two between the Twins and the Astros. <clears throat> the AL East is 0-6 so far in this postseason. The AL West is 5-0. and But currently we have the Twins up 6-0 to in the seventh yeah. inning. And yep. uh, that could end up going to 5-1. and But Chasm Cornwick just dropped one into left field and... That was a little bit of a disastrous defensive play for the Twins. So, we'll, well, it was, it was, it was pretty shallow left, and I mean, it was actual. It was perfectly, you know, sixes between the left fielder and Correa. Sure, it was. Cl- this is the thing. Correa should have peeled off and let the left fielder get it. He shouldn't have been out there. Hundred percent. He, he could have made a sliding catch and gotten that. If not even sliding. He could yeah. have, if Correa's big old body wouldn't have been in the way, that guy could have probably yeah, sailed he, right underneath it. He slammed, he slammed on the brakes. He did. So, yeah. but Pablo Lopez is on the bump right now, and he's through thrown ninety nine pitches uh, with six and a third. So, he everything's fine <laughs> with a six run lead. <laughs> it's gonna be all right <laughs> for now. You would think, but yeah, you would. Well, that's You're right, but you never know with Houston. That's the yes, crazy true. thing. Is you, just, you never know what those dudes. You're right. <laughs> anyway, let's talk. Okay, Rangers, Rangers and Orioles. This is this is like I don't even know. Like I know, last season and the beginning of this season, I was talking about how the Rangers are. They're good. I like yeah. them, etc. I was saying something special's happening, whatever. But but I started to discount them through the through the latter part of the season. I think it makes sense why. But yeah. uh, this is super rut row right now for for bird fans, right? This is bad. 
Game one, Texas wins three to two. Super competitive game. Really exciting. Really loved it. Kind of a bummer for Birds fans, for the Baltimore fans. But ultimately, not a like sky is falling situation. It was a tight game. Super fun. Um, Rangers pitching is what crushed it, right? The Haney came out three and two thirds um, of innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, one walk. Okay. That's the thing right here. Okay. Go ahead. And I think this is Bochi right here. This is it. Then Dunning, whom I said earlier we thought was going to start, he comes out, two innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, one walk. Okay. And then the bullpen allowed only one hit for the remainder of the three and a thirds innings. And they, they walked a few people, but then the rest of the defense shut it all down and it didn't matter. And this is they how, this guys. is how Brig you work your way around a bad bullpen. You have a great starting rotation, really, really good starters. You work them through and try to make yourself a three game series, get yourself some rest. So those guys can be ready for the championship series and you, you piggyback them. Yeah, just like that. Give give your guys Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Nivaldi, give them a chance to go deep. But yeah. a guy like Heaney, piggybacking with Dunning, absolutely perfect for sure. And they crushed it, man. Um, one thing we do need to address: the Gunnar Henderson was on first base in the eighth inning, and he attempted to steal second base. They threw him out by a mile. Uh, Jonah Heim did from behind the plate, and. We we learned today that Aaron Hicks was um, Aaron Hicks was supposed to receive the hit and run signal and just didn't. He didn't even swing at it. The ball was away. He did nothing to. Uh, he didn't. Even, he didn't swing. Right. He right. didn't even lean in front of the ball. Nothing. And so Jonah Heim had an absolute clear shot at second base through a bullet pinpoint accurate as he does Gunnar Henderson was out by a mile serious problem and uh, anyway the cool part about this story is that Gunnar Henderson didn't do anything to send Aaron Hicks under the bus not a thing he could that have is cool he didn't it wasn't until later after he'd been asked about it and everybody let him off the hook it wasn't until later that we learned that Hicks missed the missed the signal. Yeah, that's I like that. That's my <laughs> always reminds me of a little big league when uh, he sends the hit and run sign out there and the the batter ignores it, yeah. and uh, and they're like, "You second guessing yourself there?" And he's like, uh, "No, I think uh, if I'd have to do it again, I'd call hit and run." Oh yeah. Shoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So then game two says uh, Texas wins 11 to eight. And this wasn't, uh, I I was, I'm going to say it wasn't as close as the. It didn't feel that close. There was a time it was like, what was it? It was like eight to five and the, the Orioles had the bases loaded. I was like, okay, here we go. But then they didn't do anything with it. Right. Exactly. So now this comes on the back of a grand salami. Um. Texas had five runs going into the third. They scored nine runs by the start of the fourth. Mitch Garver hit a grand slam in the third. But until then, I think this is the coolest part. All of Texas's runs came on singles and doubles. It was just straight-up baseball, just small ball. Super cool. Now, 
uh, Garver's Grand Slam is only the second postseason Grand Slam in Rangers history. So for you trivia buffs out there, that's really exciting. That's um, crazy. Isn't that? I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So Baltimore came up with three runs. Well, they they had five runs, and then they had a three-run uh, ninth inning, but it was a little too late yeah. by then. So Yeah, that's – I was looking at that because I was actually surprised the final score was eleven to eight. But it's kind of like yeah. you know the Orioles. I think given their current their recent offensive struggles, uh, they can kind of go in and be like, "Hey, fellas, we put up eight today. Like we're heading in the right direction." It's like, yeah, but we gave up eleven. So, yeah. what do you do? You know? Yeah, it doesn't feel like they put up eight. It feels no. like they squoze eight in. Yes. <laughs> Somehow it, I don't know. It just has a different vibe to it, but you know All what right. though, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Baltimore gets swept. I don't know. If they'll win the series either. because I think they've got some offensive issues they're dealing with that yeah. go way deeper than anything that this series has shown because they showed a graphic before this game today where like Cedric Mullins was like two for his last 35 and he wasn't the only guy struggling like that, but they've had some Mullins. major slumps the last that's, that's like two weeks. Mullins is due. Yeah. And he spent so much time on the IL this year that you wondered if he was ever going to come back and be hot. Same with Mount Castle. He spent so much time on the IL this season. Uh, and it's a little bit too bad because I feel like the rest of the pieces are there. It's just interesting to see what a couple of guys yeah. struggling can do to bring a team yep. bring a team down. But uh, let's let's wrap this up with the Astros versus the Twins. Um, Houston leads the series one game to zero after a 6-4 win on Saturday. This game was closer than I expected it to be, a lot closer. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was very exciting after Justin Verlander tossed six scoreless innings. <laughs> Just, <laughs> That's the thing. Is you, get, you get guys like Verlander who come out there and it's like, well, this is not a very fun game to watch. Yeah. I get he's doing his thing, but man. Yeah. <laughs> he left with a 5-0 lead and the game was obviously pretty well in hand after the 6th. So, uh, the Twins homered a couple of times to make it cl- make it close in the 7th and then Jordan Alvarez answered back in the bottom half of the 7th inning, a uh, little insurance run there. But anyway, Framber Valdez, this is game 2, sorry. Yeah, in game 2, which we're watching right now. It's currently six to zero in favor of Minnesota. Top of the eighth, no outs. Kepler at the plate. Montero on the bump, throwing fourteenth, fifteenth pitches. It looks like Pablo Lopez got taken out. So that's yeah. He went. He went seven full. Yeah, that's really awesome. But he doesn't yeah. have any. He doesn't have his jacket on or anything. He doesn't look like he's gone to the clubhouse. Do you think they'll bring him back for the bottom of the eighth? No, I don't think so. They don't need I don't to. Think so I think either. I think it makes perfect sense to pull him at this point. Um, yeah. He had, I mean, he tossed to Jim. You don't send him out there just for the sake of sending him out there when he's already thrown 100 plus pitches at this point. I agree. Let your bullpen totally wrap it up, seal this thing off, and go go worry about Game Three on what Tuesday? On Tuesday, yeah, yeah, Tuesday, yeah, in Minnesota. There you go. In front of the home team. Oh, boy. In front of the home crowd. That's exciting for Minnesota fans. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing you always want when you're the road team. Like, lose game one, no big deal. Who cares? Because 
you win you win game two. If you split that series, you now have home field advantage until you lose at home. That's right. So because if they if they win games three and four, it's done, and they never yeah, have to go back to Houston. That's at right. this point, like the Dodgers are in big trouble because they've lost at home. Yeah. Right. Like, well, shoot. I agree. So, so we'll bring you Pablo Lopez's final line and exactly what what happened uh, at the at the finale of this game two on Thursday. And by then you'll have game three, but Framber Valdez got touched on a bit in this one. He threw four and a third innings, five runs, all of which he earned five strikeouts, three walks, and he gave up one home run. And, um, that's a little uncharacteristic of Framber Valdez. And I'm so I feel like that is, that's been him this year though. Um, and then, because he's if he gets out there and he pitches, if this series goes five, he goes out there and pitches game five, he's going to shut him down. He's going to go six, seven innings and give up three hits, no runs, and strike out eight. You know, yeah. like yeah. he's very, he was very up and down this year. Like the his very next outing after he threw that uh, that no hitter, yeah, he got he got beat up, he got so, shelled. Yeah, totally. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. This, uh, well, if, if if we see him again in this series and in the postseason, final tidbit for you: uh, Carlos Correa has what is it, two or three RBIs in this game so far? I can't remember exactly, but he he's is now at least, he's got at least three. I'm going to check to make sure he doesn't have more because he might have more. But uh, since we uh, put this since together, we checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll I'll read this now while you're looking at that. He now three. he's got three RBIs. Okay, Carlos Correa, three RBIs. He is now the third in postseason history, all time baseball postseason history RBIs. So he's let me say that in a different way that makes way more sense. <laughs> he has now the third most RBIs in Major League Baseball postseason history. That's what there I meant go. to say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this puts him at 63 or 64? I can't. 63. It's 63. 63. 63. He did it when a bases loaded single and drove in two runs. That's 63. Now he sits only behind uh, Manny Ramirez at number two. He has 78 career RBIs in the postseason. And none other than Bernie Williams holds the number one slot with 80 postseason RBIs. You know that... It, I was a little surprised that it was Bernie Williams at the top, but then at the same time, I wasn't really. No way, because he was the dude. Who, he's the dude who comes through. Like yeah, I, he always came through, smooth as smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, baseball family, we wanted to thank you for being here with us and for the postseason. Just another quick plug about Thursday Night Live. That'll be on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. We will bring you that 9 p.m. Eastern. That's every week during the season, Thursday nights. We'll bring you updates from the playoff races up to that point at that time. If you like what we're doing here on the podcast and you want another way to support us, the quickest and easiest way is to do it on Patreon. You go to patreon.com, search baseball together. We have tiers of support starting at $1, and they run up all the way to $500. That's $500. Dollars. Brad put that together. It's super exciting. Uh, please go on and look at what that is and see if it's worth your time and effort because it is sure going to be worth ours. 
we are really hoping somebody <laughs> will finally take us up on it because it just needs to happen. I feel like the world needs some of us to do some of the things that are on there. All <laughs> That's right. right. Go look at what that is. <laughs> Lots of fun. But baseball family, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can, anywhere, um, especially on the YouTube machine. We reached 500 subs this last week. Thank you so much for helping us reach that goal. Next, we're going to shoot for, mm, let's say, 750. Is, yeah. where we wanna, is where we want to be next. Um, so if you can help us get there, if you are not subscribed already, be sure you do that as well. Um, and we will catch you on Thursday night.